A little backstory, if you go onto YouTube and you look for a video called Without a Rope made by Chan Rin, whose business as a photographer is Vivid Ribbon. He's also a former guest on the Lifestyle Chase. Sara and I were both featured on that alongside Dr. Farah Sharif and the owners of Black Tusk CrossFit here in Edmonton. And it just kind of got me thinking, what what is Sara all about? And I knew her background in dance and I've seen her as a coach at Champs and I wanted to get to know her story and so you get to experience that too. Let's dive in. All right, you ready for this? Yeah, let's do it. Robbie, I swear to God, are you going to play nice today? <laughs> Welcome to the Lifestyle Chase, Season 2. This podcast features high performers who have found a way to live their best life while balancing their health, wellness, friends, and family. I'm your host, Chris Little. Let's get started. The Lifestyle Chase is brought to you by Yeg Fitness. Yeg Fitness is Edmonton, Alberta, Canada's healthy lifestyle community, creating and supporting active living for all. Check them out online at yegfitness.ca and on social media at Yeg Fitness. Welcome to episode 103, and today I am joined by Sara Darshi. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. You bet. I'm pumped too. What was your day like today? Um, today my day was waking up, getting ready for class. I had class from 11 to 2. I go to McEwen, I'm in the public relations program, and I had a solo presentation today. So, woke up, got ready, made sure I knew what I was doing, went to class, came here, and this is the first half of my day. I have a really busy day today, but it should all be fun. Awesome. Tell my listeners just a little bit about yourself. If you were having to do an icebreaker at a party, what would your icebreaker sound like? Okay, so usually I find people find this really overwhelming just because I have a lot of jobs. Uh, So it sounds like lots of information, but it's all actually important stuff that I do and care about. So uh, yeah, my name is Sara. In terms of fitness, I am a coach here at Champs Boxing, which is where we're recording right now. I am a professional dancer and dance company owner. My company's called Bad Bitch Mentality and we are geared towards empowering femmes of color and uh, intersectional feminism through street dance. So I do that. I'm a McEwen public relations student and I'm graduating this year in April 2020. Very excited. What else do I do? I am a social media manager here at Champs and also for a couple different other companies. I teach dance at Third Street Beat and yeah, that's basically where I'm at right now. Has there ever been a time in your life where you didn't have dance and what was that like? I honestly have not. I've been dancing since I was four. I've definitely had years where I cut back a bit and I'm not, you know, running around doing 20 to 30 hours of dance a week. And I've had years where I focus on my personal dancing or years I just focus on teaching others rather than doing both. But I don't think I've ever actually had a taken a hiatus from dance ever. And what about dance kind of like called you to to do it to like create these uh platforms to empower others and to like pour your heart and soul into it um so i started dancing when i was four i'm 28 now for some context and i was lucky enough that my parents put me in 
a couple different extracurricular activities to try. I did piano, I did taekwondo, I did swimming, I tried some sports. And honestly, I always like dance the best and I'm also really bad at team sports. So uh, it always came back to dance. And so I, that's what I kind of decided to focus on. I got into street dance a bit later in life, in high school. I was actually a trained Bollywood dancer in several different styles. And when my studio kind of dissolved, I didn't really know where to go from there. So uh, actually my friend Harmon Boyja, he's a motivator over at YG Cycle. I saw him dance at a wedding and he did a Michael Jackson impersonation, which he still does, and it's still great. And I just thought, like, that's what I needed to do. I asked him what studio he was at. I went and joined Third Street Beat, and then I just started dancing from there. But me building my own company actually kind of came from the fact that when I was about 17, I got involved with a non-for-profit organization that my friend Andrew wanted to start. I guess that's another part of me. I'm the vice president of a nonprofit called Kinesis. And we had both spent some time in Los Angeles, respectively, for dance initiatives. And they have a really amazing festival and event out there called Carnival. And basically it's an informal dance event where you can put whatever you want on stage. No censors, no real restrictions or rules at all. And we realized since Edmonton has such a great dance community, we're so focused on the competition scene here that we didn't really have any sort of outlet or platform like that. So Andrew called me, called our friend Jenny, and we were all dancing separately, but kind of together and said, we should bring this here. That was 2011. So we had our first event and pretty last minute, one of the choreographers we had selected dropped out. So Andrew said, uh, do you want to do something? And I said, sure, I can do it. And I just grabbed up my closest girlfriends. There wasn't really a casting process at all. It was just my friends all happened to be dancers because of the lifestyle I live. And I said, all right, I knew that we hung out all the time anyway, so it was easy to make a practice schedule, and I said, let's just do it. And it was more of like an entertainment value joke kind of set. We were all different, like prominent female pop stars. Like I was Beyonce, we had a girl who was Britney Spears. Like we just, it was super fun, but definitely nothing that we took seriously. But the feedback that we got from it was really good, and everybody said we danced so well together, and it's because we're such close friends. Like we're really like a sorority. So from there, I kind of realized that I had really been wanting to dance for a career company, but I wasn't making auditions. I was getting cut a lot from auditions, and I wasn't really receiving invitations to join anything, but I knew I could do it. And I've always been, I'm a Scorpio, so if someone tells me no, I'm gonna try like extra, extra hard to prove them wrong. So I figured, let me just take these girls that I already trust, who are extremely talented, more talented than me. Most of them were all dancing for their own respective companies and crews, and I said, let's just do this together. And Bad Bitch Mentality was born, and we started competing, started to do really well. From there, Third Street Beat brought us along for their cruise contract on Carnival Cruise Lines. We got to dance on a cruise ship, which was really fun. We started training younger girls, opened up our own company, and we expanded to include over 60 students. And then we started booking industry jobs, and now we, that's that's where our focus is now. Anytime you see like a hip hop artist come into the city, we usually get the opportunity to open for them or dance back up for them. We do, you know, corporate events, gigs, we do stuff with the Edmonton Public School Board about female empowerment. So it just kind of grew, but social justice and feminism are a huge passion of mine and so is dance so if i was able to bring it together which i was that's what i wanted to do and it kind of all just happened it's a learning process we've had some hard years 
finances are things that I had to learn about quickly, but um, that was in 2011 and it's 2020. We still book, we're still best friends and the girls are, you know, getting married and we're all each other's bridesmaids and such like that. We've just grown up together, so it just kind of fell into my lap. Yep, makes sense. I like that you're passionate about things like, you know, like social activism and like feminism and stuff like that. I found that most people that are uh, passionate towards a cause, there's like an underlying reason or something that made them passionate about what they're passionate about. What would you say would be your like underlying cause? And aside, clearly you are a female, so mm-hmm. like that goes without saying, but it's just like what transpired to make you passionate about the things that you're passionate about? Um, I think that when you grow up in the arts, especially, you know, especially in performing arts, dance, uh, etc you know singing whatever it is that that you do you're exposed to a lot of different walks of life so for me I am a female of color but I also am aware that I I personally hold a lot of privilege I you know had parents that were able to put me in dance class when I was young and that's not a lot of thing a lot of people see I'm a cisgendered uh, straight person I think sexuality is a construct but that's for another time but that's what society would label me as so I, I hold all of these uh, platforms of privilege but I have a lot of friends and peers in my industry and personal life who are more marginalized than me for sure. And for me to just see the way that they're treated and the way that assumptions are made about them, it, it just doesn't really sit right with me. And I've been through my own fair share of issues you know, with racism and with um, sexualization of myself and my I really wanted to reclaim that for me. So with Bad Bitch Mentality, we're not only about empowering femmes of color, but it's about reclaiming the word bitch because there is not really a male equivalent of that word in the dictionary. There are lots of names you can call men that are not nice, but nothing quite hits like the word bitch. So for me, it was about um, changing the definition and making it mean more of like a boss, someone who is in charge, someone who can't really be you know defined by anyone else and someone who's not really willing to take uh, shit from anybody so that was based off of my personal experiences because I'm a very extroverted outspoken individual so it's a word I come across quite a lot not only that I grew up working in the you know in the bar and service industry and I know you have too so I'm sure you've seen lots of lots of questionable uh, interactions between males and females in working in the nightlife industry so for me that was huge and yeah I just when you grow up uh, as an Indian female there are a lot of societal expectations placed upon you like uh, modesty and um, you know it's a very patriarchal standard but I have a very strong feminist mom so for me I am someone who's very comfortable with their sexuality and their body and I want all people to feel that way so for me it was very important for me to create this platform because I know growing up I thought you know because I wanted to dress a certain way I would be letting down my culture or my parents but that's just really not the case and there was no real South Asian role model for me as a young girl to look up to so I wanted to be that for, for someone else I mean now we have Jamila Jamil we have Lily Singh there are we Priyanka Chopra we have people who are South Asian women in the public eye, but that wasn't the case for me. So, yeah, for me personally, my experiences with being a woman of color 
and being someone confident about their sexuality have been my experiences, but I have friends who have very real experiences with transphobia and homophobia and stuff like that. So anything I can possibly do to pass the mic and be an ally is what I would like to do because they deserve a platform. So if I have the privilege and the resource to create or provide that platform, it's the least I can do. Yeah, I like that answer. It's good. What was your high school experience like? Like, what kind of student were you? Were you like a jock? Were you like an artsy person? What was it like? Um, to be honest, in high school, I think I was pretty similar to how I am now. It's funny, I actually graduated with Robbie. Nice. Works here at Champs. Yeah, we went to Rush Shepherd together. I graduated in 2009. Um, Rush Shepherd is a huge high school. So, at least when I went there, cliques weren't so much of an issue because it was it was quite literally too big for, for anyone to have that sort of high school experience. Um, I was in the elite athletes program, which is really funny because I was totally not an elite athlete. So that program entails, uh, if you're an athlete that's very, very committed to your sport and you're going to be missing school and such for it, you're able to have your coaches sign you up for this program so say you know say you're a competitive swimmer who's looking to be in the olympics and you're waking up every day at 4 a.m to hit the pool by five so you might miss your first class or you're out of town for swim meets your coach can write in to the school and you'll be given like extended deadlines on assignments or maybe you can write a test a bit later or maybe you can do your work and email it in uh, it really accommodates athletes like that and i just really wanted to be in this program but in high school i wasn't dancing enough for it but one of my coaches, who's a friend of mine, wrote a letter on my behalf, basically being like, Sarah's gonna dance for Beyonce and be super famous, like let her into this program, and they did. And I thought I would use it to skip class, but I was really worried that my Indian parents would find out and kick my ass, so I only ever skipped class once to study for an exam on the next block. <laughs> so I don't know, I was, I was just really involved. Uh, growing up, grades were, really prioritized in my household. Uh, if I if my averages weren't hitting above 85, I was grounded. Cell phone taken away, not allowed to go out. That's just how it was for me in high school. So I was committed to getting good grades. I was committed to dancing a lot. And I was involved with the Social Justice Coalition at school. I started the hip hop club at my school at the time. I was in the athletes program. I was on student council. So I was just very involved. Which, looking back, people probably thought I was annoying for being that involved, but I wouldn't say I was uh, not popular or popular. I just had my friends. Yeah, yeah. Makes yeah. sense. From high school to now, what's a memory that stands out to you? Like a transformative time in your life or like a TSN turning point or just something that was just like a wake-up moment? Um... I think for me, and this is like a, a bit heavier, but if anybody, you know, follows our, our Champs Boxing website here or our newsletter, uh, I've been very candid recently about this, but actually several years ago I was in a relationship that ended as a result of domestic abuse. And that's actually what prompted me to pursue boxing here at Champs. So I think for me, that was the biggest turning point in my life because I was the owner of this company all about female empowerment and, you know, not allowing men to treat you a certain way and battling misogyny and stuff like that but I was in a personal situation and allowing a personal situation to continue that 
was in direct violation of all the beliefs that I'd been preaching to all these young girls for years. And it felt unethical. And obviously it was damaging to me, but I just realized that I couldn't responsibly continue to um, encourage these women to live their lives a certain way when I wasn't really doing the same thing. So after about three years in that relationship that resulted in quite a bit of physical injury and some trauma, I decided to leave. I was actually planning to relocate and to move to Vancouver at the time to just restart. But instead I went to Vancouver for several weeks and then the opportunity to audition here at Champs came up and I used to work the front desk over at Yegg Cycle. So being a fitness instructor was a long-term goal of mine and I, I thought I would really want to go and be a motivator there, which is still an amazing opportunity for anyone who's able to take it. But when this came up, it just felt like A, something brand new and B, the actual aspect of self-defense really spoke to me. So even though coming to auditions, I was absolutely the least fit of the group and I had no real experience. And like I said, I'm bad at sports, but I was coordinated from dance and I understood music and I really, I really wanted it. So yeah, I just kind of turned my whole life around. I started here, I went through the audition process right off the jump after auditions. I wasn't on the schedule right away because I needed more work than the rest of the coaches did. So I had to work really hard and now I've been here for two years and I'm really proud and I love the classes that I've been able to create. I went back to school I, after several years of being off joined and got into the PR program, which is really competitive. I'm really happy about that. I met a new partner who I've been with for two years now and he's wonderful. He has two beautiful little girls, so I kind of had to step into a new role there as well. So yeah, in, over the past three years, my life has basically completely changed as a result of that experience. And although it's unfortunate and um, you know not ideal, I've definitely built a life I can be proud of now. Was there ever a point in that experience that you felt like that was it, like that was just going to be your norm and you're going to have to adapt? Totally. I Well, it was um, marriage was a thing we would talk about all the time. And so I really, I, I would have moments where I would be like, okay, he'll change or something will get better or he would promise to change. And I was like, you know, how am I going to be able to do this for the rest of my life? And it just got to a point where it actually, it, a really great turning factor was one of my best friends found out and she told my parents, which I wasn't mad about because I would have done the same thing. So uh, yeah, once my parents found out, they did everything they could to support me, but of course they couldn't make up my mind for me. And at the time I, was, I wasn't ready to leave. So I spent another four months with him post like after that and it really strained my relationship with my parents because they I was watching my parents hearts break too knowing that their daughter was going through this and seeing what it was doing to my relationship with my family realizing that I would you know show up every Tuesday and talk to these girls about like standing up for yourself and it feeling fake was not sitting right with me knowing I was lying to all my friends wasn't sitting right and honestly the biggest reason why I was able to leave is being a mom someday is very important to me and I realized if someone is that comfortable doing that in their partnership, how do you know how they'll treat their family moving forward? So I just kind of realized it was be unhappy forever or start over. With your parents' role in that, what was the most helpful thing that they did to support you looking back on it? Um, again, I'm very lucky that I was in a, that I am in a 
position of financial privilege with my parents now. You know, my parents are first-generation immigrants, and they've been through a lot of financial struggle and a lot of rebuilding as small business owners. You know, they've had very successful times and very, very low times. We've moved all over the states in my first five years of life, chasing business opportunities, but now they're definitely financially stable and quite secure. So when this happened, they, when I was able to leave, they were scared for my safety and my mental health. I am also quite open about um, my battles with depression and anxiety, which I've gone through for maybe 10 years now. So they were very scared and actually what they were able to do is call my best friend who lives in Vancouver and they sent me, they bought me a plane ticket to go spend three weeks out there. And I just, um, I didn't really do much. I did a lot of thinking, a lot of crying. I took a lot of dance classes out there, which was great. And I took a leave of absence from my job at the time. I was serving and my boss at the time was just so wonderful and so supportive and assured me that I'd have a job on my way in, on my way back in whenever I was ready. And that was really helpful too. My friends were really great. I just had a great support system. So my parents reached out to all my friends, reached out to my friends in Vancouver, flew me out there. And then from there, I was kind of on my own, but it was great because I really love the city of Vancouver. It's like my second home. And I was just able to come back and reset. And I'm not sure if I would have healed as fast as I did without that. Did you have any reluctance to taking that step back from so many things, like to kind of pick up, go to Vancouver? Like, were you scared of things like employment or scared of things like family or different commitments? I definitely, definitely was. Like, I knew I was only going for three weeks, but like I said, after the three weeks, my goal was go for three weeks, come home, make as much money as I could, and then go move. Uh, and I had I had a friend from Edmonton who was looking to move anyways, so we were, you know, sending apartments back and forth, talking to my friends out there, doing everything I could. But to be honest, at that point, I was uh, so unhappy that I was willing to start over. I was I was 100% down for a new life. I really was. Um, and I knew, I guess what was nerve-wracking about it was what would happen with my dance company, but I knew I could start a chapter of it out in Vancouver and leave my girls here in charge because I completely trust them. And I thought, you know, I'll go to school out there, I'll get a dance teaching job. What's nice about the dance community is I do have a lot of friends and connections out there in Vancouver, and I figured I would be okay, but at that point, like, I don't really think I was thinking responsibly. It was just like, I need to get out. I need to like have, like literally have a brand new life. And at that point too, I had been pursuing legal options about what I could do regarding my ex-boyfriend. And I wasn't, I've, I've pursued different forms of notices and restating orders three times now, and none of them have gone through. I haven't been granted even one. So even now, even though I've chosen to live in Edmonton, there's no real guarantee of my safety or security here because the police were not able to help me any of the times I've gone in, including my best friend being a police officer and, you know, writing me a recommendation, including me enclosing photographs of my injuries, text messages, none of it has helped. So it's quite, it's quite discouraging, but to me it's just reason to figure it out on my own, I guess. There's not really an option. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am happy that I chose to stay here because the timing just worked out great. As soon as I came home from Vancouver, the Champs auditions were posted. And I talked to Farah because I'd worked with her at YG and she was very honest with me. She said, it's an audition. You do auditions all the time for dance. You know how it goes. If you get it, you get it. If you don't, you're cut. 
said, yeah, <laughs> I know. I know what it's like to get cut. And then um, I heard Robbie was on board and it was funny because we, we had uh, disconnected after high school and weren't really friends and I was a bit nervous about that, but coming in, he's really supportive and tried really hard to get me on the same page as everyone else because again, I didn't come from a fitness background. The rest of the staff were personal trainers, spin instructors, um, yoga teachers, people who had all had real jobs in fitness. I worked the front desk and I was a regular at YEG and I'm a dance teacher, which is its own type of fitness, but it wasn't quite the same. Uh, so I was very nervous and I felt like the odd one out, but like anything, you just have to work. Yep. Well, one thing that I reflect on with how you're describing your experiences in fitness is like, you talk about how you're not an athlete, but I'm like, you're an athlete, you're totally an athlete. There's yeah. people that are looking up to you that will hopefully listen to this episode and they're considering themselves an athlete because they aspire to be like you. Mm-hmm. So you got to stop not calling yourself an <laughs> athlete. Give your head a shake. I think with with dance, it's very interesting because there's a lot of stigma surrounding dance. And I think actually something that really helped with the performing arts. Did you see the Netflix series Cheer? Yeah, I actually watched a few episodes of that. Yeah, and what I love is it it is primarily focused on the athletics behind it. You know what I mean? I cheered in high school. I was very bad, I will say this. We didn't have a dance team, and I thought it would be the same. Uh, it's not the same, <laughs> like, at all. <laughs> and um, just where my height and weight is, I technically would have been the girl to get tossed, but I am very, very afraid of that. <laughs> So I tried my best to be a base, but I also wasn't really strong enough to do that. So basically I would like hide in the back and then come to the front for the dance bits and then like go back and hide in the back. Yeah. But it was fine because I love performing. Um, yeah, dance fitness is very interesting. I was talking to this, I was talking about Aaron who works here about this the other day. To go that full out and exert yourself that much for five minutes on stage, like is crazy like if i come here to champs and do a 60 minute class i sweat as much in a 60 minute class as i do after five minutes of full out dancing on stage because there's the stage lights and there's the adrenaline and there's so much going on um you know you put your body through some through a lot of stuff i was talking to my friend ryan the other day he's also a young cycle motivator but he's a dancer i grew up with my whole life currently there are actually a lot of dancers who have crossed over into fitness in the city is myself, there's um, Tatiana Driesbeck, who works here at Champs and is a cycle bar instructor. There's And then there's Harmon, Harmon Boeja, Josh Capulong, and Ryan Oakle, all are motivators at, y- at YG Cycle, but they're all very, very prominent uh, leaders in Edmonton's urban dance scene. Amazing dancers, look up to all of them. But one thing Ryan said to me is, when we were talking, he said, how often do, does the regular average person lift their hands up above their head or shoulders in a day? And I thought about it. He was like, you reach something and you bring it back down, right? I was like, I guess. And he was like, we have our hands all the way up here, all the way around, while leaning, while going down to the ground, while having to be back up in one count. And it's nothing. And we just do it. When you think about how much you're exerting on your body, that's a lot. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot. And and catching beats and, like, making sure your face is good. And... You know, one thing I I tell my students a lot is that dancers have to be the three A's. So you're an athlete, you're an artist, and you're an actor. But most people are only one of those things. I think dance is very special. I I care a lot about dance. You're giving your audience a sense of sensory overlap because you're you're trying to make them see music. And I think that that's a very difficult and interesting task because if you're a music lover, like myself, I 
I love music so so much and my partner makes music and he is the most talented musician I've ever seen really he makes and produces music and I learn a lot more from being with him as well but to, to take a, an emotional song and let someone see it rather than just hear it in their headphones it's, it's daunting because you have to do it justice yeah or you want people to have fun or you want people to feel upset like I don't think dance is always about positive entertainment I think it's about making people feel uncomfortable too yeah well, just evoking emotions of any description, but like having people actually feel it because it's more than just what they hear, it's what they see and what they're experiencing and the energy that people captivate. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's one of those things that unless you know someone who does it or watch it and see it or are involved in it, I think it's a it's a thing that gets taken for granted a lot. Like, oh yeah, okay, she's a dancer, but it's... It exerts a lot from you. It, it requires a lot from you emotionally too, not just physically. And um, it's about making connections with people on your team, the same as you do a team sport. If you don't trust the people around you in a routine, it's not gonna go well. And in any experience I've had adjudicating routines, I can tell when the people on stage are friends versus when they're just slapped together and put on a team and asked to go compete, because you can see it. Yeah. You can see who trusts each other. It's the same thing as watching um. Like, the only sport I really watch is basketball. But you can tell when a team doesn't have synergy. Yep. They don't play well in any sport, I think, right? Like, yeah, if they absolutely. don't if they don't vibe and if they don't have communication and trust, it's not a solo sport. You're not supposed to play for yourself. You're supposed to do it for your team. And I tell my kids that all the time when they're on stage. I'm like, if you guys want to do a solo, you can sign up to do a solo with me. But if you're here to be on this team, you're a team member. It's not the you show. And dance also... When you sign up to be a professional industry dancer, you're signing up to be background for whoever's singing. So you can put in even more work than the singer sometimes, and you're you're signing up to be in the background, and we're okay with it because we just want to do it so bad. Yeah, that so, makes sense. Yeah. It's a great way to put it, too, because that's sort of like something that, uh, it's an analogy for life. Like Sometimes you have to be okay with not being in the spotlight. You just have to work hard. And that's what it is. Yeah. If you want to go and be on a stadium and dance background for, you know, Beyonce, you're not Beyonce. She's yeah. Beyonce. But that show is that show because you're on that stage too. Yeah. Um, there are opportunities for dancers to shine too, but they're far and few between. You know? Like, we're the opening act or we're the behind-the-scenes act. And it's, it's funny because if you meet dancers, all my friends are dancers, so I'm very familiar with them dancers are an intense breed of people all of us because we all want the spotlight but you can't really ever get it being in this field and that's it's a it's a good humbling factor too for someone with a performer's uh, mentality because sometimes you actually have to be like okay it's not even about me so why am I freaking out or when I get emails from parents like I noticed my kid isn't in the front how come which is a thing if you guys have seen dance bombs that's real all of that is real I have some lovely parents, but we deal with a lot of crazy, a lot of craziness like that. And it's it's a good way to to explain to parents that this is a it's a good lesson for their child to learn. Yeah. Early. Yeah. You know, it's you can't always be in the front. I'll get you to the front at least once, always, every kid. But for me, like, I know it's cheesy, but the phrase uh, "hard work beats talent" when talent doesn't work hard is so completely true because I'll work with kids who are so talented but don't want to be there. And I don't want to give them the opportunity. I want to give an opportunity to a kid who works hard and asks for feedback and you know, does everything they can and acts like a team player. 
they should lead their team, in yeah. my opinion. So true. Something that comes up a lot is like people see these people who are like fitness instructors or they're self-employed or they have a really nice Instagram account or like for you being in PR, like you're able to put out like a pretty well put together message quite consistently and a person could jump to conclusions that, oh, well, motivation comes easy to them, positivity comes easy to them, but from our chat just today so far, like, I understand that you have baggage that you have to deal with. You have, like, battles that don't go away, things that you're struggling with. We talked about mental health. If uh, if somebody posed the question to you, how do you stay positive all the time? How would you answer that question? Well, I believe in complete transparency, so my answer would be that I'm not positive all the time, to be completely honest. Um, I have, I get very stressed and very anxious, especially right now. I'm in midterms right now and, you know, my big final projects are coming up. I'm in the middle, like dance competition season starts next week and I teach 12 groups who are going to be on stage all at different competitions over the city where you have to be five places at once. And at the same time, I'm trying to, you know, put on the best classes I possibly can here at Champs, make sure the Champs social media content is cohesive and well put together, pursuing other opportunities, you know, maintaining some sort of home life with my partner and his children. It's it's not it's not easy and um, there is a lot that weighs into it. I get I get really insecure. Like I actually had a conversation with my friend uh Dow Haddad the other day who if you're in fitness in Edmonton you'll know who she is. She's incredible. And she's, you know, starting on this new journey, coaching at a new coaching at a new gym. And I was very nervous because I'm a terrible runner and I wanted to come and support her. And I was like, I don't know if I can do this, seriously. And it, it is more stressful to me because I am a fitness instructor in the city. And I think when people see someone like me, they expect me to look, act and be a certain way and have certain capabilities. But the fact of the matter is, is like, it's not true. There are lots of things lots of us aren't good at. I walk into a gym, I look at free weights, and I get anxious because I'm nervous that my form isn't correct. And what if someone sees me and knows that I'm an instructor and goes, she can't even she can't even deadlift, blah, 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 properly. I know it sounds crazy, but it is like, and this is a thing that real people face. Like, fitness instructors, especially in Edmonton, the way our community is um, structured, they are idolized. Like, and I get such incredible positive messaging from my clients here, you know, your class today, I was, I'm, I'm going through a divorce and, you know, hearing you speak and hitting the bag, I just like, I cried and I felt it and like, that's why I'm here. But I think the reason, or I hope the reason why people can relate to me is because the, the motivation isn't fake for me. You'll never hear me say something in class I don't believe. I don't want my class to sound scripted. Even if I do repeat something in class, like in class time and time again, it's because I need to drive that message home. So for me, the reason why I am candid about my previous experiences is because I hope that if other people are going through this, maybe hearing me be candid about it will empower them to leave a negative situation they may be in. Maybe they can come out and speak to me. Maybe I can provide you with some sort of resources. I'm not an expert. I'm just someone who's had some experiences. And I think that um, being yourself unapologetically and that's a huge thing for me. If you look at my Instagram, I get I get messages all the time like, oh my gosh, like I can't believe that you put out photos of you in your underwear on your Instagram. I get that message weekly. 
that is me, that is my body. I've worked very hard to get here and it's not perfect. I do not let photographers edit or alter my body in any photos and if they do, I will not post them. For me, that's me reclaiming a part of me which is what I look like and what I wanna put out there. And I think that the power in that is that I posted it and I'm letting you see it. You didn't get to steal it from me. You didn't get to just have it. I'm letting you see it. And it's that element that keeps me in control. So I think that, yeah, in terms of positivity, people are human and you don't have to be positive all the time. And your fitness coach, trust me, is not positive all the time, no matter who they are. Like you're a personal trainer, you obviously have bad days. Yeah, yeah, well I'm always pretty open about it. I've had people be like, oh, how's it going? I'm like, shitty, it's going shitty. Same, (laughs) same, totally. And like, I'll have days where like, I'll email a prof and I'm like, hey, I'm not coming to class today because I literally can't and I need a me day and I'm sorry and it is what it is but this is like where we're at and you know as long as I'm open about it and I'm not lying it's okay with them so because in the end I'm gonna hand in my assignment on time and my test is gonna be done and whatever but I think um, I try I, I think people something that people need to understand about Instagram and social media is it's a highlight reel it is you might see like if you see me on the daily like what you're gonna see is um at at school to be honest today i'm wearing real clothes because i have an interview after this and i had a presentation in class but honestly if you see me i'm in lulu's and very little makeup and hair up and a giant sweatshirt and then you go to my instagram and you're like oh a lingerie fitness swimwear model it's just a slice of my life there are lots of other slices of my life and um, yeah, I show, I show the best of me on my Instagram. And it's actually funny, because I think girls can relate to this, but one thing that I find myself doing is if I ever have a really, really, really bad day, sometimes I'll you know, go through my vaults and find a photo of myself that like, really makes me feel good, and I'll post it. And it, I know it's, it's shitty to ask for gratification from strangers, but sometimes seeing someone say, you go girl, sometimes that's what you need yeah i don't think there's any shame in looking for or asking that or asking for that i really don't i know that a lot of um a lot of men not all men will say oh you just post that for attention you just post for like sometimes yeah sometimes you need it sometimes you're feeling really really low and like i said i have extreme levels of depression that i am openly medicated for and i will talk about that so sometimes if i need like a you're doing great and that's, that's like my love language. That's the thing I've had to talk about with my partner. I'm words of affirmation. I need to hear I'm doing okay because I feel like I spend so much of my life trying to make people proud and trying to make myself proud. So I think that admitting those things about yourself is a really big step. You don't, nobody's perfect. Nobody, like, if you can have a super uncurated Instagram feed that is yourself, like, I applaud you and that's amazing. For me, I use my Instagram for a multitude of things. It's a branding tool. It's my modeling portfolio. It is um, promotional content for all my different jobs that I do, which do require a ton of shameless self-promo. And I know it's annoying sometimes, but I have to do it. Um, But if you really want to get to know me, all you have to do is ask. And that's another part of control. I choose not to let everyone into every every part of my life because I'm allowed to guard what's important to me. And I think everybody should. Yeah. And it keeps your boundaries. It keeps you boundaries sane. Boundaries are huge. Like it, it's imperative. A lot of people need to have some division or some segregation. Like mm-hmm. there, there's so much that uh, 
can be taken away if you give people that power to take away your things that bring you joy or take away your things Some that things are, are just sacred. for you. Yeah, absolutely. So with all these things that are going on in your life and you got stress and all these things, what's what's your pep talk that you give yourself? Um, I have like a, I have a playlist that I listen to in the morning that's just kind of like music that makes me feel badass. I usually wake up to it, try to give myself some time in the morning to, you know, just brush my teeth to it, drink my coffee to it, whatever, get to school. A big thing for me is, um, and this is something my partner taught me, I'm so I believe in astrology I know it's corny whatever it's a thing for me but my partner's a Capricorn and I my dad's a Capricorn too and I notoriously think Capricorns are super annoying <laughs> because they're they're so logical and I'm so emotional so I'm like I hate I told you so but it's always I told you so because he's he's right so I guess one thing that I've learned from him is that it's all going to be worth it later I would always just see things um that were right in front of me rather than the steps moving ahead so one thing I'm really learning is that all of this work I put in now is going to benefit me and him in the future where we can have a great life where I can continue work in advocacy without being stressed where I can take on the type of clients uh, in a digital marketing setting that I want to work with where he can be free and open to do his music full-time and where his kids can have a great life with us and with their mom, respectively. And, you know, sometimes I just have to tell myself that, yeah, it's stressful, but I, I'm making a difference. And the type of people that are in my life are all people who place importance on that. I don't knock anyone who just lives their life for themselves. And I, honestly, I think that that's a, a really amazing aspect of everyone's life. You should. but. For me, I'm, I'm an empath too. If I'm not creating tangible or positive change or like bringing it back to like using my privilege and my platforms to create good, then like what's the point in my opinion for me? And that's not a mentality everyone needs to carry. But for me, like what's the point in going on stage and dancing if, if I'm not helping or doing something, something for someone else? Or um, I think that's the biggest reason why a, a champs every single coach here coaches. We love the workout. We love each other. We love the facility. It's great. All of this is great. But I think if you talk to any coach and if you ask Jelena why she started this, it's not just because she loves boxing or because she's the eight-time WBA champion, which is like a huge, like, she lives in Edmonton. Like, we have, like, a hero in Edmonton. It's yep. insane. And people take that for granted, and I feel that. So when I look at someone badass like that and I talk to her about struggles I've been through and, you know, she takes the opportunity to help me, that's what I want to be able to do for other people. Because I was actually in my audition, I talked about my domestic violence um, experiences and I knew it would be a lot to take in. And I wasn't trying to use it like, you have to pick me because I went through this. That's not it. But I, they asked why I wanted to box and I had to be honest. I want the fitness aspect of it. I want a, a, a new kind of career change. But I need to know that if I ever find myself in a situation similar, that I can handle myself. And I really can from what Jelena and Robbie have taught me. I mean, I'm not trying to fight everyone. I hope. I am confrontational sometimes. But, I mean, I'm not out here pursuing a fist fight. But just knowing that I, like, it's it, 
it's a level of empowerment. So if people like my mom and like my coaches here, Robbie and Jelena, and you know, my dance mentors have been able to empower me, I think it's only responsible that I try to do the same for the next generation coming up or for anyone struggling. And I think, yeah, that's why we all coach here. It's, it's, the, it's not the workout. The workout is an added bonus. It's how we're able to make people feel, whether it's the people who are in here on this extreme weight loss journey and we're seeing them reach their goals. Like you can see that physically, like it's the same for you, people who sign up to be your client and you're like, oh my God, their goal was 160 pounds and they did it. Yeah. Like you, like they did that, but you also kind of did that, right? Or you at least motivated them enough to make it happen for themselves. And that's like, isn't that more empowering for you? Being like, I helped someone do something for themselves. Helping someone like regain their independence is like so gratifying. Or, you know, just the workout here, hitting something. There's something about punching something when you're going through it that like really gets you through it. And the dark room and the loud music, like that that's what it is for me. It's therapy in there. So the fact that I get to give people a little slice of me authentically without the cheesy, you know, classic fitness speech. It's really important to me and the fact that we're allowed to be ourselves in the room and Jelena said you know use your own teaching skills talk about whatever you want on that mic it's it's really important to me so if you could give one piece of advice on how to live your life authentically and to the fullest what would that piece of advice be just do it honestly it sounds like it sounds crazy but like I have spent so much time in my life being stressed about people not liking me that's a huge insecurity about me because I'm like, well, I was so nice to this person and you know, I offered to help and I did all of these things. How could they not like me if I was nice? Or like, what's wrong with me? And that's something I still kind of struggle with now, which again is the thing that my partner has helped me with a lot because he is the exact opposite. He could care less. And he lives his life extremely authentically because he's six years older than me. He's a father. He has very different life experiences than me. Um, different family traumas and you know whatever it is that he's experienced growing up and I have my own so for me I find that um, hiding or trying to fit into a mold or trying to hit other people's expectations is going to disappoint you and cause more stress and anxiety long term than you believe Um, living authentically is really freeing and being a hundred percent yourself it is and like I said There are times where maybe I'm not necessarily myself all the time, like only posting great photos of myself on my Instagram. But like I said, I'm transparent about why and I will never hide any question anyone has of me, I will answer truthfully, even the hard stuff. I'm the type of person, if I don't like you, I will tell you. I'm not gonna be like, hey Chris, I hate you. But I'm gonna be like, listen, our interaction last week was not for me and I didn't like the way you said this and it hurt my feelings and we can move on and we can move forward but I have to let you know and yeah. that's that's who I am always yeah. if I see something happen to someone around me that's not okay like someone being targeted or if I see you know a man say something disrespectful to a woman or a homophobic comment or anything I will always step in that's not great you should do only do that if you feel like it's safe that's my disclaimer but um I just I just can't really after all of the different experiences I've gone through you know I've had a great ride with dance I've had so many amazing opportunities you know to go be in LA to dance on a cruise ship to travel to open for like some of my favorite hip-hop artists 
I've been able to do that. I've been able to coach here and learn from, you know, world champions. But I've had a lot of really, really sad things happen too. And I've had a lot of, you know, life-altering, kind of like soul-crushing experiences too. And at this point, at 28, I like, I can't really like stall or look back. It's forward or nothing. Yeah, yeah. So you just have to, it, it, there has to be a point in your life where you decide that. And unfortunately for me, the turning point was like a negative situation happening. And it, it won't be like that for everyone. Maybe maybe you get such an amazing opportunity that you're like, oh my God, I can do this. So now I'm going to go with it. And that's great too. But whatever it is, even like when I watch my girlfriends go through breakups and stuff like that, there will be a day. And I know people don't believe you. One day you're going to wake up and you're just going to be okay. Yep. Seriously. Yep. And it like, I know that sounds like almost dismissive, but like, that's actually true. Like you can go through something horrific and one day and you'll deal with the trauma forever that's not that's that's not a thing you get to just shake but one thing one day you'll wake up and you'll say like i can live my life again so you just have to do it and um i just think yeah life's too short not to be excellent that's a great way to finish off our episode together so thank you for joining me today thank you i'm, I'm stoked to hear it <laughs> i want to leave you with a message to take home with you Check on your strong friends. If you have a strong friend in your life, someone that you aspire to be more like, someone that uh, you see as being unstoppable, check on them. Uh, Hit them up with a text message. Invite them for coffee. Make them dinner. Go for a workout with them. Give them a hug. You don't have to have a reason. You don't have to have an excuse. Just do it. Thank you for supporting the Lifestyle Chase.